Thank you, Bill. That's great. So look forward to some more of those messages about how we can plug in as a community and how we can connect with one another. Good morning. I'm Lori Haas. I'm the Executive Director of Ministries here at Church of the Palms, and I am delighted to be with you on this special day. It's Pentecost. Have you heard of it before? Before Miss Carol did her thing? It's not one of those holidays that Hallmark has gotten a hold of yet. So. It's still ours. We own it. Well, we share it with our Jewish friends because they actually started it. And then we upped the ante by having the Holy Spirit swoop in that day on those unsuspecting disciples. So we'll get to that a little bit later. So Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Not Church of the Palms, but the church. So today, we're going to spend a little time talking about the church. But before we dive in, I have to confess something. You have to know a little bit about one of my biases. I love the church. I love to worship God every single week. There's nothing that fills me up more than coming to this place and worshiping. Now, I know that we all approach worship differently, so my husband likes to compare this to cars. He says that if Worship made your cars run. I would be more like a suburban. I need to keep going to get filled up, to get filled up. He, on the other hand, a little more like a Prius. One time, and he set for weeks. And he said, it's okay if you tell him that. That's just the way I'm built. So we're all different. It's all right. Um, I'm also one of those strange people, though, who really likes both contemporary worship and traditional worship. I love the music in this place. It touches a deep place in my soul, and I just love it. But I also love to belt out some of those traditional hymns, and I think that brings me back to my childhood and touches me in another way that sort of reminds me of family. We are so lucky at Church of the Palms to have two different styles of worship, that we could be here in a very contemporary way, or we could be across the courtyard in a traditional way. I want to share with you a defining moment for me about church. When I was a kid growing up in northwest Montana, we attended a small Lutheran church. This is actually a photo of it. I took it off of their Facebook page. You could see just a little bit of the corner of it. My mom sang in the choir. She taught Sunday school and she was always on their church council doing their leadership kind of things. Well, this was back in the day of a much simpler life. There weren't a lot of retail distractions on Sunday morning. If there was a retail store that was open, it wouldn't even open until noon. There definitely weren't any sporting events. There weren't any dance recitals on Sunday. We did, however, have the call of the great outdoors fishing, hiking, camping, all those things that you like to do outside. I remember our pastor telling us one time, just come dressed, whatever you're going to do for the rest of the day. So there we would be at 8 o'clock in the morning with like our jeans and our sweaters on, ready to go skiing in the, um, right after we could get out of that place. Like a normal kid, I didn't always want to get up, and I didn't really remember so much of the sermons or the Sunday school lessons. But I do remember 
how church made me feel. I felt like I belonged to something that mattered, and I was always glad that I went. Church was this wonderful gathering of people, young and old, who were trying the best that they could to love each other and to love their, the people that are in their little corner of the world. So when I was 11 years old, my dad divorced my mom, which was not very common in that little community back in the mid-70s. One of my mom's biggest fears was wondering if the pastor of that church would let her, now a divorced woman, come back in to worship there. This was a defining moment for me, and it would shape my worldview of church forever. By the grace of God, our pastor kept the doors open of Bethany Lutheran Church, wide open, telling mom and us kids that we would always be welcome there. Pastor Hillman knew that the church is for everyone, and it's where we build a life that matters. Now, I'm not sure if this is your experience of church. I don't know if it was a positive one or a negative one, or if you didn't grow up in church at all. But when church is at its best, I think it's a place where we can be known, forgiven, and truly loved. When church is at its best, I think it's a place where we can worship God in a variety of ways, giving God glory while it's feeding our souls. I think it's a joy-filled place where people are inspired and motivated to go out into the world with the light of Christ. I think it's a place where we can use our gifts to practice the art of loving and serving one another so that we can share it in our broken world. I think it's a place that we can call home. So if you've been hurt by the church, I am so sorry. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving it another try. But I have a secret to tell you. Despite our best efforts, this church is going to goof up too. If you stay here long enough, this community is going to disappoint you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Maybe I'll say something dumb and hurt your feelings, or maybe someone here won't meet your expectations. My hope and my prayer is that you stick around long enough to see the grace of God in action. You will see how the grace of God can come in and fill the holes that are left by our community. My hope and prayer is that together, we can learn how to be the church that Christ had in mind on that crazy day called Pentecost. Because I believe with all my heart that the church is where we begin to build a life that matters. I've asked Kevin Deems to read our scripture passages for today. The first one is from Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, the story of Pentecost. And the second passage is from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. When the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a, the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages 
as the Spirit gave them the ability. This is Corinthians. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same of Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another the faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of the healing by that one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of the tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Let us pray. Gracious God, your holy presence burns bright within this world. Spread your spirit throughout our community so that our hearts may burn with love and hope. Amen. So leading up to Pentecost, the 11 disciples had spent a bit of time, about 40 days, with Jesus after he had been risen from the dead. In the first chapter of Acts, Jesus told the guys, actually the NRSV, NRSV says that Jesus ordered the disciples to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Isn't waiting just the worst? Did you see that hashtag blown up on social media? Hashtag hate to wait. Those airports that... W- Jordan's like, no. The, the airports wanted to fire the TSA agents because waiting in those long lines for security was just killing them. Think about some of those things where you hate to wait. How about driving to the UTC mall in that traffic? If you try to take a, what is it, a left-hand turn onto B Ridge, there's some waiting there. Or like in the grocery line, my husband's like, I'm standing there in the 10 and under line and I'm counting the guy's items and he's got like 15 and he's like waiting, waiting. It's hard to wait. Wherever we are, it's hard to wait. But there are two things that make it easier for me. The first is like if I have a book to read or if you had your phone to read, if you weren't driving, of course. The second thing is if I'm waiting for something good, You know, like when you're going to get married and you're so excited for this new life to begin and it's hard to wait, but you know it's going to be so worth it because there's excitement and anticipation. Contrast that with waiting for a test result. But now the waiting is even worse because you're worried and anxious. So what does Jesus tell them, the disciples, that they're waiting for? In Acts 1, verse 5, Jesus said, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now that's something exciting and good, even if they weren't exactly sure what it was going to mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But they did know Jesus, didn't they? Jesus had been with his disciples for three years. He had helped them 
comforted them and walked alongside of them. In John 14, verses 15 and 16, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, saying, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. And then Jesus goes on to explain in verse 23, Those who love me will keep my commandments, and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So the promises that Jesus made in these brief passages are staggering. Who does he make these promises to? Well, in the context of the Bible reading, he's making it to the 11 disciples. But the scope of his promises are so much wider than that. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, that implies that the promise of the Holy Spirit is for all of us who love Jesus. The Holy Spirit is for each one of us who love Christ. In this book, Love Does, Bob Goff writes this. The Bible said, the only weapon any of us really has is love, but it's love like a sword without a handle. And because of that, sometimes we'll get cut when we pick it up. It's supposed to be close contact, though. Love always is that way. I don't think Bible verses were meant to be thrown like grenades at each other. They were meant for us to point each other towards love and grace and to invite us into something much, much bigger. The fulfillment of Christ's promise that invited everyone into something much bigger came on the day of Pentecost. Kevin just read for us that on that day, the disciples were sitting all together in one place, waiting, just like they were told. You see, God used the Jewish festival of Pentecost as the perfect place and time to give them the Holy Spirit. So what is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost literally means the 50th day. The festival of Pentecost was set by God to be celebrated 50 days after the Sabbath that occurred during the week of Passover. Pentecost was a major festival in the Jewish religion. This holiday celebrated the wheat harvest, so Jerusalem was crowded with devout Jews from every nation under heaven. This is important because of the gift that the Spirit brought that day. Remember, the disciples spoke in languages that they didn't even understand, but everybody else could. From this moment on, the disciples' little exclusive group went from being a club to a church. Now, what are, whoops, sorry about that. What are some characteristics of a club? Maybe a secret handshake, members only, private meetings, the club members get to say who's in and who's out. I have to pause just for a second because I have to share with you one of my very favorite lines from the book Pastrix that was written by Nadia Boltzweber. She's a Lutheran pastor. She says, you know, every time I draw a line in the sand between us and others, Jesus is always standing on the other side of the line. Jesus is always standing on the other side of the line. 
You see, now the gospel of Jesus Christ was no longer just for them. It was heard in every language. When the Holy Spirit came, he brought all those people who were not like them, which honestly could have been a little annoying. But you know, as I thought about it, what might have been annoying to this tight-knit little group was the very thing that was life-giving to my divorced mom. The doors were thrown wide open because the gospel was for everyone. Have you ever heard that phrase that my mom used to say? In church, you don't get to pick your friends. God does. You know what that is to my kid-sized ears? Annoying. But I think that God had something else in mind for the church, just a step beyond annoying. The church is kind of like this laboratory of love where we get to practice discovering and using our gifts to serve others, and a place where we get to practice being a community that is full of broken people. You see, community is messy and sometimes hard, but God shows up. He uses us, and grows us and transforms our lives. God uses the church to help us build a life that matters. You know, God designed us with a longing for a purpose. And as you, I'm sure you know, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life was like one of the best-selling books of all time. And I'm not here to critique it or to endorse it, but I am raising the question, why has it been so popular? I heard about the brilliant marketing plan behind this book's success, but beyond that marketing strategy, it seems like the theme of this book taps into this deeply ingrained human need. We want a meaningful purpose to govern our life. So what's the point of school? Well, you say to get a good job. What's the point of getting a good job? Well, to earn enough money so you can support a family and do the things that you want to do. So let's assume that your marriage stays together and you raise a family, the kids grow up and leave the nest, you retire from your job, you enjoy the grandkids, you play some golf, you catch some fish, you drive around the country in your motorhome taking videos of all the national parks, you get sick and die. What did your life count for? What was the purpose of your life? Wondering about our purpose is that God-sized hole that God created us with. But here's the catch. Only God can fill it. Unfortunately, many of us spend a lifetime trying to fill it with other things. Have you heard the answer to this question? What is the chief aim or purpose of man? In the mid-1600s, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the answer was given, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But how do we do that in the 21st century. We glorify God and we enjoy Him by living every day trying to follow Christ and by using the spiritual gifts that He has given us to throw open our doors and to extend His kingdom to others. The context for exercising these, these gifts is in the local church where every member of us, each one of us works for the growth of the body to build itself up in love. As you heard in the sex, second scripture reading, there are many gifts of the Spirit, 
But one thing that they all have in common is that the gifts of the Spirit are always, always used for someone else. On the day of Pentecost, that awesome day where the speaking of tongues came to those disciples, that gift was used for reaching others. That gift started the church, and now the church helps us to discover and use our gifts for others. The church helps us to get out of the selfie and to turn that phone around and to see, really see others. Kevin read for us a lot of the different gifts that the Spirit gives us, but they all work together for the good of the one body. This reminds me of an article I read about octopuses, which could be octopi, but I said both were correct. Octopuses. Mm. And I thought about how they were like the body of Christ, so each of these eight arms of the octopus has a distinct personality and even different gifts. So, for example, if an octopus is in a tank and there's some food in the middle, that octopus will attack that food and wrap all eight arms around it for a joint team effort to get their food. But if it was just working on manipulating something, the octopus will only use one, two, or three of its favorite arms, even though they all have equal dexterity. Now, if the octopus is in an unfamiliar tank and there's some food in the middle of it, some of its arms will kind of walk towards the food, you know, kind of those party animal arms that'll take a risk, and some of the arms will hide and cower in a corner, just making sure that it's safe. One of the things that I thought was so interesting is that these arms are so independent that if one is cut off, it'll carry on for hours as if nothing happened, and then the body grows another arm. That's not a threat, like we're all so replaceable, but you know that arm that's not connected to the body doesn't survive. By the way, if you want to know if you have a gift of the Spirit, to build up the body, you just have to take a look at the fruit. In Galatians 5, through 23, we learn that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that we have to give to others. This is the fruit that invite, invites others in this is the fruit that helps us to build a life that matters. So today, we have an opportunity to practice being the church with our, with our arms thrown wide open. We get to practice our spiritual gift of serving birthday cake. I ordered this huge sheet cake that says, Happy Birthday, Church. And in a moment, we're going to go out into the courtyard and we're going to do our closing song with Megan and the band out in God's beautiful creation. And then right after that, as a way of practicing serving one another and to show our love for this big, eclectic, broken, but redeemed faith family, we're going to serve pieces of cake to our friends from the sanctuary as they come out, and to each other. Would you stand? Friends, we worship a God that is so big, so full of mercy and love, 
that he sent his son to stretch his arms out wide to welcome anyone who wants to live a life that matters here and forevermore. So imagine if everyone we encounter can taste Christ in the fruit we bear and the cake we serve. Come on out. <laughs>